Can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Get your popcorn ready. It's game time, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a team that is known as Stoppers. Stoppers. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Every single play, go take it. Bring that juice. Let's go get it. Come on. Chicago's best Bears coverage. Go Bears. Go Bears. From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Hogue. The Bears angst in general. Everybody's like angry about it, I feel like. Just relax. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. This is just how it is. It's a range of emotions. It's a range of feelings and hot takes. Here they are. Fiery, feisty, and frequently ill-tempered. The Adams, Hogan Johns. Welcome in officially to week one the Hogan Johns podcast. Boy, it feels good. Feels great. Phenomenal. Ready. Are you ready? Mitch is ready. Sounds ready. I hope he's ready. Here's what I know. I know I'm ready. I know you're ready. I do not know if Mitch is ready. The Bears sure, sure seem to think he's ready. But most importantly, I know Kevin Fishbane, the fish dad, is ready to be the dad of the year. I already won it? No, 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 no. We're not giving away awards here. Yeah. But uh, that's my preseason prediction. Which went so well last year, so that that's uh, <laughs> great news for you. Well, my son has uh, zero injuries in 11 days on this planet, so I think that's uh, kudos to me. He's doing better than Eddie Pinheiro. That he is. Who officially goes on IR. What a way to start the 2020 season. With his small groin, right? That was little groin. What was the phrasing for Matt Nagy? <laughs> I think... Well, you have progressively changed it every episode we've done. <laughs> I believe it was a little bit of a groin. I, I forgot a couple words there. A little now bit you're just of a straight groin. up calling it small. <laughs> small groin. Small groin injury, Freddie Pinero. Uh, anyway, three weeks more, in IR. Yeah, we'll more on that in our Manscaped read later on in the show. Uh, welcome in Adam Hogue, Adam Johns, Kevin Fishbane, all here with you to officially start. The season, it's been a, a bizarre 2020. I'm sure the season will be bizarre, but I'm excited. There's going to be football on my television Thursday night. The Chiefs and Texans. I don't even care if it's Patrick Mahomes versus Deshaun Watson. It's football, and uh, we made it, guys. I'm actually surprised we haven't seen the tweets already about Bears fans, you know, warning them to stay off Twitter that day, but they'll come. I'm excited that it's Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, two of the best quarterbacks in football. Did you guys know that the Bears actually had a chance to draft yes. both of them? Fun fact. Kevin like, Fishbane, fun fact. He's active, back, everybody. Actively chose not to, but uh, yeah, what a way to start the season. But get, here's, a, here's the thing, though, and I know we're going to get to this. If you look at the way Mitch Trubisky's played against Detroit in his career, there is certainly a possibility that Mitch has a better week one than one of those two guys. I guess that's possible. I'll tell you what, as much uh, as many questions as there are around Mitch Trubisky, Deshaun Watson is just like hanging him out to dry out there. Like, ah, you don't need an offensive line or wide receivers or any kind of, or you don't even need a GM really. You're just out there, do whatever you want. I mean, that's kind of what it's like out there. But anyway, we didn't come here to do a Texans podcast. We're here to talk about the Bears, get ready uh, for this 
week one game against the Lions. And obviously we'll dive into it a little bit more uh, in our official first week one preview episode as we always do. It's excited to get back where well, I'm excited to get back in a uh, regular game week routine. But we did have some calls today. By the way, you can follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S, at K Fishbane is where you can find the fish dad. And, uh, of course, all their work is up on The Athletic. Theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns is still where you can go to subscribe. My stuff, I have a new 10 Bears things, guys, up at NBCSportsChicago.com. The new NBCSportsChicago.com, I've been instructed to say. It is new. It is. It looks pretty solid. And uh, you can check that out there. I had some thoughts on... Actually, this isn't a terrible place to start this conversation. Are you guys surprised at how little respect the Bears are getting nationally? Have you been paying any attention to some of these national power rankings? I mean, the Bears are anywhere from like 24th to 28th, like considered among the worst teams in the NFL. Surprised? No. Um, I feel like they've been continuously disrespected nationally. Like even when they were were good and, and teams were worse than them, though they were ranked better than them, Um. I, I, I get it. I, I guess when you have questions at quarterback, you deserve to be in the bottom half of the rankings. Uh, I still think the Bears have a very good defense. It's a matter of how great they can become. But if you're going to ask me if I'm surprised at, that the Bears are being disrespected, the answer, to be honest, is no. It's expected. I, I was reading through Peter King's um, Monday was it football mor- Monday morning in America. And it's a lot of words there. Try a lot again. of words and uh, football morning in America. I think he had the Bears in last place in the division, and really they weren't mentioned at all. I was kind of thinking, you know, um, and I'm, you know, Peter King, obviously, kind of the dean of of NFL writers, and I'm thinking, all right, well, what's what's his take on on the quarterback battle, Mitch Trubisky winning the quarterback battle. You know, reading through it, he didn't really touch on it and got me thinking the Bears are really one of the most irrelevant teams in football from a national perspective. Um, And we've talked about this. Like, I don't I don't see how the Bears are going to be worse than they were last year. Like, I just I just don't see it. The defense is going to be better and it'd be it would be really, really impressive if the offense was worse than last year. So like I always did use, you say impressive? Yes, impressive in a bad I, I way. Get, yeah, I get yeah. what he's saying. It would be impressive. It'd be, yeah, it's, it'd be really hard to do to be worse than <laughs> like the world. You have last to try year. to be that bad. Exactly. When like they've made actively all these engaged in being bad. It was one thing last year when like you're the, you're on the fly and, and you're you're realizing what you were hoping was going to work did not work. If it doesn't work this year, when you knew you had to make all these changes, so anyways, that's my baseline. That's been my baseline all offseason. The defense will be better. The offense will be better. I don't know how much better because of the quarterback question, but this team is going to be slightly better than last year, at least. So See, like with that, it's like, how could they be that bad? Again, that's kind of where I, where I start. Yeah. And I think, look, there's a few factors here. One is that everybody's guessing. I mean, that is a reality here with the, with this off season, the way it's been and no preseason. I mean, even the coaches and GMs are guessing. We heard Ryan Pace talk Monday about how, well, if a team was willing to stream their practices online, the Bears were watching them um, because what else are they supposed to go off of? But 
I just feel like part of this too is like the Trubisky train has seemed to just derail to the point where somehow he's become a national punchline. We've talked about that. And so him winning the competition just sort of seemed like people another another opportunity for, for people to pile on. But to your point, Kevin, like and I'm actually not even sure the defense is gonna be better. Cause I kind of see some pass for them to be about I would I actually think they're gonna be more like twenty nineteen than they will be twenty eighteen. But when you talk about the offense, and one of the points I made in my 10 Bears things, Kyle, like I saw one power positional power ranking that had the Bears dead last in the NFL in quarterbacks, the 32nd worst quarterback room in the entire NFL. How can the a quarterback room that has arguably the best backup quarterback of all time be the worst backup, be the best quarterback room overall? Like that just, I don't understand the logic to that. And that's where I come in like with Nick Foles. Nick Foles is instantly better than the 2019 version of Mitch Trubisky, isn't he? Yes. I'd so, say so it's one thing if Mitch doesn't improve, but theoretically, Nick Foles should inst- if he has to come out there and play, should be better than what the Bears had in 2019. I think that's what gets to your point, Kevin, about how it would actually be impressive if the offense was worse. Like, shouldn't it, almost by default they should be a little bit better? So, so somebody said that the Bears quarterbacks are worse than Jacksonville? <laughs> I'm, t- I'm telling you. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess technically Gardner Minshew, you know, fended off Nick Foles when Foles came back from the injury last year. But I don't, I don't know how much of that was skill versus a franchise decision of, you know, a business move. But Gardner Minshew, Jake Luton, and Mike Glennon, right? That's no, he's cut. I th- is he back? Is he back in the practice? He's back on the roster. He's 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 involved in Jacksonville somehow. He's I just think. there. Yeah, present. But you know, you're right. Nick Nick Foles is one of the best backup quarterbacks in football. So if you start there, you know that 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 again, that's not like a something to be too proud of, too excited about. But you know, it's it's something. Well, I even acknowledged in my column, I'm like, I realize this isn't the most inspiring argument of all time, like arguing the Bears just aren't awful. They're probably mediocre. But even some of the analytics, and I included some football outsiders numbers in there, point to a greater likelihood that the Bears are a playoff team than they will be, you know, a disaster uh, in, in 2020. And I think there's a couple things that maybe it's easier for us to see since we cover this team year round, but... The Bears, the Bears essentially admitted that their coaching wasn't good enough in 2019, and they worked to upgrade that. Their tight end room is better, which we've all covered exhaustively, and that should make the quarterbacks better. I think that these are all areas that suggest that the Bears' offense should take a jump. How big of a jump? I'm skeptical. I'm not talking about them all of a sudden becoming a top 10 offense. You know, middle of the pack is probably the best scenario. But that, coupled with even 2019's defense could be good enough to win a division that's wide open. I think that the Trubisky conundrum, the, the the struggles that he had last year, and all the the anti-Mitch piling on, whatever you want to call it, that that narrative, that sentiment out there, whether it's locally or na- or nationally, like creates this perception that the Bears were actually worse than they 
than what their record was last year. So they were eight and eight last year. You can argue they it could have been seven and nine, or you could argue they could have been nine and seven, based on Eddie Pinero making a field goal. That they were competitive in nearly every single week that they played, um, every game that they played. But when you have this quarterback problem, I think there's this perception that it's only going to to get worse while discounting the rest of the roster. And in Chicago, that, that even means that this is even hard to believe in Chicago. It means even discounting partially what's going on on the other side of the ball. Yes, there's that idea that the Bears are wasting this championship window for this defense, but they can't be the worst team in the league if they have this championship defense. It just doesn't make sense to me, you know? So I, I feel like the this Trubisky conversation just kind of weighs everything down a bit when, in fact, they should have a defense that keeps them competitive every single week. And history shows if they're in the top 10 in scoring or, or if even better, that defense should produce a playoff caliber team um, that gets in at 9-7 and seven or 10-6. and six. Should we hear what some of these players are saying about Mitch Trubisky now that he's won the competition? Because like, this is still the most import, important thing, and it goes back to what we always talk about. There's just a, a large percentage of people out there that are dismissing Mitch altogether. It's never seemed all that fair. And, again, you can say that without predicting that Trubisky is all of a sudden going to be an all-pro quarterback, which I don't think anyone believes. But not, regardless of what everyone's thinking on the outside, the, 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 the thing that matters is he's won this competition, and now he needs to show that he has improved. And that starts Sunday at Ford Field. Okay, And there were some interesting comments from his teammates Today, let's start with Allen Robinson because he is Mitch Trubisky's most important target, and he is, you know, a voice of the team and leader in that locker room. And uh, here's what he had to say um, when he was asked about Mitch winning the job. Hey, Allen, was there a point in camp that you felt in your heart of hearts that Mitch was going to win the job? Um, that's tough to say. You know, again, uh, for me, um. I really wasn't, you know, uh, divulging into too much of that. or I wasn't, you know, scrutinized the uh, quarterback competition uh, too much at all. You know, I know the biggest thing for myself was just, you know, focusing on how I can, you know, be a better player and be a better receiver and also how I can lead the group. You know, um, again, I mean, it was uh, for me, it was something that, again, at the same time, it was nothing that would have, you know, uh, told me to to uh, lean one way or the other you know it's just for us you know we just going out there making plays you know adapting to to both guys and doing things you know so it wasn't nothing you know for me um that I would say but at the same time you know for me training with Mitch early in the spring you know going up into leading up into training camp you know um I was out there you know all those days with him where he was putting in the work you know um constantly you know um even if it wasn't you know uh some days where it may just be a couple of us out there you know so I mean to to see him start, you know, is not surprising at all. You know, when you put in the work, you get the results, you know, and I saw a lot of the work that he put in, you know, from, from February, March, and even probably some before that, you know, so I saw it put, I saw him put the work in, you know, so, so, I mean, it's not surprising at all that he was able to, you know, uh, really uh, improve his game, how he set out to do. So you guys, I, I'm glad that Robinson at the end there seemed to at least shift his descriptions of, of what was going on. Because we, we know Al Robinson, the, the guy, he's very good at saying nothing sometimes and, and keeping the focus on what he has to do without discussing 
what's going on at other positions, even the quarterback position. He's done that several times, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong, but throughout this whole competition, he's been very, I don't know if political is the right way to put it, but very just tempered in what he's saying um, about the his place in it, uh, what what's going on with Nick Foles and Mr. Trubisky. So, so to actually hear him, I, I don't want to say reveal, but to, to talk about all the time spent with Trubisky, to see it paying off, to use the word constantly. Like, I thought that was a, a semi-endorsement. I'm not going to say a ringing endorsement, but, like, he saw the work get put in. He saw some of the results all uh, on the field, and I feel like he's satisfied with the result being the Bears' number one wide receiver. Oh, hey, if you're Al Robinson, you're putting up numbers no matter who the quarterback is. He's done that his whole career. Done it with Mitch, done it with Bortles, Hackenberg. It's his thing. So for him, I mean, like, yeah, you know, John Z, it is, it is being professional and making sure you're saying the right things, but there's also maybe an element of, like, he's like, just, you know, whoever's throwing me the ball, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go catch the ball. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my numbers. I'm going to get mine. Um, but obviously, a guy like him is going to want to, you know, get to the playoffs and, and put up even better numbers than he has uh, the past two seasons. Um, so, no, it was, it was interesting to hear. And, and I do think, and if we talk about some of the other reactions we got from some of his, Mitch Trubisky's teammates, there's a, a weird sentiment. Somebody asked Olin Kruitz about this on Twitter. Um, you know, how would you feel if you found out Mitch Trubisky was the starter? I think Olin, you know, said like, look, that, that that's our guy. Then we got a block for him. That That's who he is. I think we always have to remember everybody in that locker room likes Mitch Trubisky. You know, offense, defense, you know, looks obviously everybody in on the team starting with Mitch knows he wasn't good enough last year, but there, there is no shortage of respect for him and what he tries to do and what he's hoping to do. So, you know, I, there was never, I, I'm not surprised that guys are kind of the way they've talked about him or is with, is with this optimism. Owen, when he was on our podcast, um, highlighted this point, like the, 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 the players know, like they know which player should be starting. Like they know who the better quarterback is. And, and for, for a while there, Fish Dad, like I, I thought it would be Foles. There was some praise, some high, not not high praise, but but significant praise coming from some of his new teammates. About Khalil Mack was one of them. Like there, there seemed to be a connection forming there. Uh, but at the same time, like we all saw what we we saw, right? Like none of us felt wowed by Nick Foles. No one felt overly impressed by Nick Foles. I think that applies to us who saw those practices. I think it applies to the receivers who caught passes from him, to the linemen who blocked for him, to the coaches who were coaching him. No one was blown away by Nick Foles. Now, that's not to say that Mr. Trubisky is going to be the answer, but there, to, to me it felt like like if, if you're a part of that team, you're in those meetings, where you would probably have a sense, okay, Mr. Trubisky is probably outperforming Nick Foles right now. Like He's the better guy right now at quarterback. I think what I find more interesting is that we've we're started to hear some specific things that both, and I think it's more meaningful coming from his teammates, things where Mitch has shown improvement. Let's listen to what Bobby Massey had to say today, the Bears, Bears right tackle, because he mentioned some specific things with Mitch. Hey, Bobby, what was your reaction to Mitch being named the starter? And, um, you know, how, what did you observe from him uh, at as far as how we operated in camp this year, I mean, I, I was happy for Mitch. You know, Mitch. You know, he he's been working uh, uh, more than 
more than just in the building. You know, he's been taking care of things off the field, you know, all offseason long. And, you know, I've known Mitch since he's been here. And, you know, I'm just happy for him. And the way he's handled himself, you know, just this whole camp, you know, from, you know, getting the O-line to slide to where we need to be to, you know, getting getting a hot route to the receivers and, you know, checking the defenses and everything. You know, Mitch, Mitch is ready to roll. So, guys, you hear it in there. He says from getting the offensive line to slide their protections to the right spots, to getting the hot routes, checking the defenses. I mean, these are the types of things that have been an issue in the past. Now, you know, I, look, I think we're all a little skeptical. These guys are just trying to say the right things going into the season. But I always take note when there's specific things being said, right? Because um, I don't necessarily know they're being fed specific things to put out there. I think that I, I I don't know Massey's Massey's comment to me sounded genuine. What about you guys? I agree, and there's I think it goes back to to Patterson, even maybe bringing up some of the intangible qualities that he saw in in Trubisky. When did when did he say that? A couple weeks ago, like he yeah. had some significant words to say about Trubisky, just how he seems like a different player. Season in his eyes, and I know people roll their eyes at comments like that, but I feel like it, it's meaningful. Like players just don't throw words around like this. Like, like, like their teammates hear this, their teammates read this stuff. Um, like even Anthony Miller today. We don't have to play his quotes because they they were a bit shorter, but he specifically mentioned Trubisky's decision making and Trubisky's footwork. Like he took note of that. I think it's important that we. As observers, as media folks, and fans too, and listeners, readers, they take note of what they're saying. You know, Bobby Massey is obviously not going to rip Trubisky, but Bobby Massey is also pretty frank with reporters. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he, he, no, nobody curses uh, on the record better than Bobby Massey. And for him to you know mention um, offensive line calls and checks and progressions, that tells me that maybe he's in some of those offensive meeting rooms and notices the the praise that Mitch Trubisky's getting for some of those calls and some of those decisions. But, you know, and, and Hogue, you touched on this. These guys are all seeing what he's doing in practice. And we're talking about practice. And we just, everybody, we still want to see what he does on Sunday. And the thing is about the Lions and Mitch's success against them, you guys know it. If he has a great game, everyone's going to say, well, well we got to see him do it again next week. And it's the Giants, who not not very good team. Like the, Mr. Biscay's a long way to go to prove himself. Um, he's got to do it in the games. He's got to do it consistently, and he has to take care of the football. Mitch actually had two back. He had back to back great games last season on the national stage. Uh, on back to back Thursdays, one on Thanksgiving, and then the following week on Thursday night football, and that didn't seem to get him any anything. Everyone's forgotten about that. 32nd 30 30 quarterback room in the league. That, that Cowboys right. team was like going for a playoff spot that night at Soldier Field. Imagine making the argument that a quarterback room with Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles is somehow worse than the 2019 version of Mitch Trubisky and Chase Daniel. But that's apparently... I don't know. This is just getting out of hand. Anyway... Um, I, I do want to talk about some other important things. We're in a game week. There's a lot of other areas and factors that will go into whether or not the Bears can start 1-0 against the Detroit Lions, including you know the fact that the Lions appear to be better too. Um, 
and unlike the Bears, seem to be getting a little bit more credit than perhaps they deserve. I don't know. Maybe they're getting the right amount of credit. But one big factor going into this game. And uh, Carlos Santos. Is the kicker. We are, we are going to get so much run out of that soundbite. Thank you, John Fox. Eddie Pinheiro and his little bit of a groin injury. An IR, folks. I, I'm not surprised. I think he might have uh, a little problem with the injury blug, bug guys. Blug, blug, blug guys. And injury the blug. blug. Injury blug. Injury bug. Well, I'm trying to think back. Was this a big issue last year? I believe it was his groin injury that ended his time in Oakland. Oh, Las yeah. Vegas. Yeah. Okay. What, what then was the then injury- last year was the calf. Yeah, the Remember injury the calf? He, yeah. he pulled in the weight room that made him like questionable for Washington, I believe. That's right. Yeah, after the game winner against, yes. So, I don't know. It's, it's I, I don't, lost the words here, but it's 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 a problem. This is a kicker that you, you apparently like. He had this big kicking brouhaha last year, and this is your guy. And here we are bringing in Carlos Santos. Cairo Santos. It's just not, not good. I think, you know, you know, well done. It'd be well said. Cairo Santos, the fourth Bears kicker to kick on week one since Robbie Gold was cut four years ago. Oh, the good old curse of Robbie Gold strikes The curse out. of Robbie Gold. Connor Barth got two years. Then it was Cody Parkey, Eddie Pinheiro, and now... Cairo Santos. That one still hurts, doesn't it? I mean, Robbie Gold, he's still going strong. He's still posting all his uh, wonderful kicking videos on Instagram and, you know, living in the backyard of Lake Forest pretty much up here in the northern suburbs and not going anywhere except, uh, you know, kicking in Super Bowls and things like that. Cairo Santos, as we record this, is on the practice squad. Sure. What if Matt Nagy's like, you know what? I need this extra roster spot. Paddle down, I'll handle kickoffs. Let's just go for two and go for a fourth down. Oh, the season's too young for stuff like that. <laughs> Let's get wild right off the bat. It's it's a, it's a year unlike well, any other. It is. It is. Let's just get crazy. You know what, Maggie? I can't talk today. Maggie. Maggie tried that a couple of years ago, did he not? Last year. Like he had that one game where he didn't want to trot Santos out there. No, it was a parky. I forget. What, what what game was that? What question are you asking me? I don't know, Matt. I don't know. I don't. I'm still in preseason form. I needed a preseason. No, don't care. Could you guys think, though, and I, I, I mentioned this on Twitter, of an easier road game environment than Cairo Santos getting a kick in a dome in front of no fans? I mean, I mean, if he doesn't have That's a good day good. in Ford Field, that you know, as John Fox would say, that's a problem. It's all a problem. Well, and he had a he. It, that's a great point because, like, if you're gonna, he was awesome in the Soldier Field scrimmage. Did not miss a kick. And I said uh, at the time, like, he would have won the competition, the kicking competition last year if he had done this. But he's kicking in front of no fans at Soldier Field. But now he gets to do it in a dome with no fans. So really. That's actually an interesting thing to watch this year. Well, I don't know if how interesting it is, but it might be a little interesting. Like, will kickers, 
Will kicker percentages go up in 2020 overall? I'm talking like as a league. Talking about like a case study and pressure. <laughs> it seems like a good kicker's I think, feel from think, fans. Yeah. I think Kevin Fishbane should report back on this at the end of the season. I'm on it. Um, okay. Meanwhile, other position battles. How about cornerback and Jalen Johnson? Seemingly is going to be the guy. I'm I'm, I'm still kind of expecting he's, – he's going to have to be limited, right? I mean, he had – such few uh, full days at camp, but he was listed number one as the number one corner uh, opposite of Kyle Fuller on the depth chart. And then today asked specifically by Mark Grody if he had been told he is starting against the Lions, he responded, correct. So Jalen Johnson's the starting cornerback. I, I, I You think he's going to play the whole game, guys? Part of me is very surprised by this because the last time that we saw them in action, we were at Soldier Field and there was the starting defense out there. Buster Screen is out there at cornerback and base defense and Kendall Vildor is out there in subs. Sometimes it's Duke Shelley. Sometimes it's Kevin Tolliver who is now on the practice squad. But then there was Jalen Johnson running back and forth between the sidelines because that's what he does during teamwork. Like, he doesn't. We have not seen him in full team drills. Now, they've had practices since that scrimmage. I think only three real ones going into this week. So maybe that's enough. Maybe that's what the Bears just just needed to see. Uh, Maybe just playing him in man defense is all the Bears need for week one. That's all Chuck Pagano needs against the Lions, but yeah, part of me is pretty shocked by this decision. Yeah, I was I was kind of surprised too, although you guys know this with, you know, these depth charts uh, can be a little wonky because, you know, they're, they're unofficial and you know that coaches don't want their actual depth charts out there, which is exactly why you would not put Jalen Johnson with the first team because you could say, look, he's a rookie. He's been injured. Of course, he's not with the first team. But then you see him there and then he says that, you know, he's been told he's the starter. Um, I, I guess I guess the other, the other question is, and aside from Buster Screen, you know, th- that's really the only other option the Bears have right at, at that at that position right now. So I, I well, guess you might as well just yeah, you know, Johnson, if just go if they say, hey, you're playing right corner and just cover that guy for the all game long. I mean, Jalen Johnson can handle that. I, I think for the snaps, going back to Adam's point in terms of limitations, limited. And what have you? Like he, he will be like in the base defense. I think I think you'll see Buster Screen out there and not him. But once they go to sub, and they're going to be in sub a lot against the Lions. Well, let's let's be honest. Maybe seventy five percent of the time, knowing how much they like to throw the ball. So we'll see a lot of Jalen Johnson. But maybe he'll get those his those breaks or or, or what have you when the Bears are in their base three four. That's what I was even after the depth chart came out. I was kind of expecting that it would be. Technically, Buster, Sc- Buster Screen and, and, and Kyle Fuller starting. And then when they go in the nickel screen with kick inside, and then you'd have Jalen Johnson come on the field there. But I don't know. I wonder if they're going to split it a little bit. I'm just, I guess I'm just skeptical that they're going to have them out there for the whole game, both in terms of a exposure standpoint and a conditioning standpoint. But here's what's interesting, guys, to me. You know, the Lions used the number three overall pick on Jeff Akuda. And by all accounts coming out of Detroit, 
he's not going to be starting. And he's going to be a guy coming off the bench and more of a rotational player. And that almost seems more performance related because if you go, if you you know do some homework on what the Lions, what was being written from Lions camp is that Okuda was struggling a little bit. Now, we don't necessarily have that same sample size because Johnson was so limited. But it is interesting to me. You're going to have two rookie corners out there in this game. One was drafted third overall. One was 50th overall. And the Bears clearly like what they have in Jalen Johnson. And I don't know if the early returns on Jeff Okuda have been as positive. I find first impressions for rookies to be, at least for us covering the team, to be very meaningful. Like like Kevin White, our first exposure, Tim, I I think a lot of us turned to each other. Adam, I know you and I did. Like, oh, this this guy's the seventh overall pick? Okay. Well, then you see Eddie Jackson out there. Oh, well, the Bears might have a player. Even Tariq Cohen. The Bears might have something here. Felt the same way about Colt Komet. Oh, this is good. This could be a player for the for the Bears. And then you wanted to see that from Jalen Johnson. I think we finally got it. It was on a 7-on-7 seven seven play where he kind of baited Nick Foles into throwing the ball. Made a nice interception. Matt Nagy praised him strongly after that. But to me, that's my lasting impression of, other than seeing him run sideline to sideline during team drills, getting his workouts in, keeping up his conditioning, that play left uh, at least it's a better note than you know looking at Kevin White and wondering whether or not he actually belongs on this team. Yeah, like compare uh, first impressions of Cole Komet to Adam Shaheen, for example. Both second-round picks. To me, very different. Um, and, and I think that, that, yeah, there is some validity to that. So, rookie cornerback out there against a, a pretty talented passing attack that the Lions are going to have. Now, the Lions have a couple question marks on their offensive line. So, that's where any concerns maybe about youth or inexperience at the corner spot uh, or perhaps on the back end can be f- certainly overcome. If uh, Akeem Hicks, Khalil Mack, Robert Quinn, Bilal Nichols, all those guys are doing what they're capable of doing against this Lions offensive line. But here's the question. And I don't know if we have an answer. Are Akeem Hicks and Robert Quinn really going to be Akeem Hicks and Robert Quinn on Sunday? Well, they'll be active. I, I'm, I'm starting to view Robert Quinn as situational guy like 100% a situational guy that's an expensive as hell situational guy it's fine you know you got to get after quarterbacks and sometimes you got to pay for those sacks and Leonard Floyd did not produce those sacks and there there was what an 18 sack uh, drop from 2018 to 2019 Leonard Floyd did not produce that's why Robert Quinn is here so you have to pay for those because your, your draft pick, as good as a starter as he was against the run, versatility, whatever, coverage, what have you, was not good at getting quarterbacks. That's why Robert Quinn is here. But just from everything we're, we're seeing, base 3-4 defense, I don't think he's going to be out there. But sub, he'll be out there. But the Bears will be in sub a lot at the same time. I think everybody's going to learn to to know Barkevius Mingo a little bit more because I think he's going to see some serious playing time with his defense. Barkevious. They call him Kiki. 
They do? Yeah. That's all you got, Kev? That's all you're bringing in the conversation? Ted, Ted Monachino referred to him as Kiki. He did. But look, Barkevis Mingo played for Monachino in Indianapolis, played for, um, you know, he was with Chris Tabor early in his career, special teams guy. So there's coaches in the staff that have a lot of respect for what he can do. And, you know, he's had an interesting career for a guy who's still, you know, could have easily just flamed out of the league after being top 10 pick to, you know, wasn't worthy of that draft status in Cleveland and, and has made himself into a situational guy, special teamer. I'm not sure how much you, how many defensive snaps you want him playing necessarily. Um, but at least it's a guy that, that the bears feel good about in that role. All right. I want to get into some of the things that Ryan Pace said Monday and um, perhaps some, any surprises with the roster that you guys think, but first, Got a quick take a quick timeout and let you know that now is the time to celebrate because football is finally back and DraftKings, the leader in one day fantasy sports, has millions of reasons why you should be excited. To kick off the football season, DraftKings is giving new users a free shot at one million dollar top prize with a total of three million dollars up for grabs this Thursday's football contest. Getting in on Thursday night's single-game showdown is easy, and all you have to do is download DraftKings using promo code MAZE, like Robert Mays, who was a guest last week on this podcast and is the host of the football show on The Athletic. Draft six players from the season opener, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. So head to the app now to start making it rain. Plus, new users who sign up today on DraftKings using code MAZE will receive a free shot at the $1 million top prize with your first deposit. Nothing adds to the sweat of watching the game like having a shot at a $1 million payday. Download the DraftKings app now. Use code MAZE. For a limited time, new users new users can get a free shot at the one million dollar top prize and three million dollars in total prizes. Don't miss this extra special week one bonus. Enter code Maze to get a free shot at the one million dollar top prize with your first deposit. That's code Maze only at DraftKings. Make it rain. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. And, guys, fantasy football draft season is upon us. I have my draft tonight, guys. You going to take Mitch? No. Hmm. Maybe I'll take, uh, wait, is this going to come out before our draft? Yeah, I'm not going to say that out loud. we got strategery to worry about. (laughs) We can't give away secrets, even here on this podcast. I'm like Lincoln Riley, who won't let the public know who on my team has COVID because God forbid Missouri state finds out, but fantasy football draft season is upon us due to quarantine. It's very possible that you might have Zeke's haircut in your pants. That's why our partners at manscaped have partnered with us to make sure you don't gamble on shaving the same way you like to gamble on football. When it comes to men's hygiene, manscaped is as good as it gets and as safe as Christian McCaffrey in a PPR league. What about Tariq Cohen, Adam? No? Maybe not? Nah, not to the Christian McCaffrey level. Okay, okay. We try. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. The Lawnmower 3.0 is also waterproof and has an LED light on it. It's a game changer, my friend. And, Johns, they just released their Shears 2.0 nail kit, which is the perfect add on to their Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. 
You also get the Crop Preserver, the Anti-Chafing Ball Deodorant, the Crop Reviver Spray-On Toner that is made with Soothing Aloe and Witch Hazel Extracts. Can't go wrong with Witch Hazel Extracts. That's Sounds for sure. like a great gift for new dads like the Fish Dad, Kevin Fishbane. That's a great point. Hey, get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Just use code THEATHLETIC20. It's time to boost your hygiene with the absolute besties with Manscaped. All right, guys. Any takeaways from uh, Ryan Pace's preseason session with the media yesterday? Kevin, I'm actually curious, since you were on your fatherly hiatus, what did you think about the decision, 2020, Mitch Trubisky over Nick Foles? Well, I, I, was, I was with you guys a little bit. I obviously read and listened to everything going on. Um, you have that weird downtime at like 4 a.m. when your newborn wakes up and is, you know, needs to be rocked back to sleep. It's a great time to turn on Hogan Johns. <laughs> there you go. If I want if I want to put him to sleep, that's you know that's where I'm going to go. And uh, oh Jesus, wow! This I, won't be in the next podcast. I yep. think I think that, I think okay. three of us mentioned a lot that based on what we saw at camp, who's the better quarterback? It was Mitch Trubisky. But I just couldn't. I just didn't think that Matt Nagy would pull the trigger there. I thought this whole familiar with Nick Foles, comfort, trust level, all those things. It, it, it almost didn't matter what Foles did at practice. That's I just I kind of convinced myself of that. Um, but obviously, uh, and I thought it was interesting, guys, that Foles kind of acknowledged. He, he did the whole I don't want to make excuses thing. But he said that, that he did not play as well as he wanted to this summer because of the lack of timing, the lack of work he got with all these receivers. And we kind of saw that play out. I, I do think this is a better decision for the team. We, we all know what Foles can do is in relief. And, you know, if Trubisky played better, give him give him the job. But, uh, yeah, how about that for a Friday night news dump for uh, those of you guys who were, who were working? And those of us who were uh, wake surfing, too. Oh. Yeah. One Did you news. tweet from the wakes? Uh, no, I, in all seriousness, I, I was just getting back in when uh, the, uh, the old phone was buzzing. Here's so. something for you. J, J school students. Yes. That news never breaks at the most convenient times. Correct. For me, it was not having my phone nearby while I was home alone with my three sons, including my youngest, up in the bath screaming that he got soap in his eyes. And I'm scrambling to find my phone, missed a couple text messages, so we were a little behind on the news, but it is what it is. News never breaks at the most convenient times for you. Screaming three-year-olds. This is Nick Foles. Just entered the meeting. Where were you, Kevin? Um, I was just in my living room. Okay. Yeah, I, I was. I was fully. I guess I, I theoretically, I, I, I could have, you know, dusted off the computer and chipped in, but uh, theoretically, theoretically, I had, I had a I <laughs> Real had team a, player. I had a newborn to take care of. You know, listen. If I've learned anything from my man Johnsy. It's family first, right? <laughs> it was me yelling at my oldest son. Will you go take care of that? I got to find my phone. <laughs> so what happens is he, he dumps water on my son's head, but that water still has soap in it. He just, you know, takes it out of the tub, 
you know, soap back into the eye. So yeah, get them out of the tub. Make yourself get dressed. I gotta find my computer. Fun times. Any roster surprises? How about Kevin Tolliver just being gone? Is he altogether? still not? Has he still not been picked up? He's in the practice have... squad. No. In the no. practice squad. Oh wait, somebody did, Denver. Yeah, Vic Fangio reunion. Yes, did he that's take right. him? It was yeah. someone did pick him up. Okay. Yeah. Um. Partially, I guess, maybe he just wasn't a Pagano guy. Maybe he's a Fangio guy. It was noticeable to me to see Kendall Vildor actually get more reps towards the end of the, at least the open practices with the starting defense. Even I think Duke they Shelley. like him. Yeah, yeah. Like the draft picks were playing more than your undrafted free agent from a couple of years ago. That that was pretty telling that he could be on shaky ground for cuts. It is kind of crazy that here we are a few days from week one and neither Artie Burns – Trey Roberson or Kevin Tolliver are on the roster. I mean, we spend a good chunk of the offseason talking about those three guys, and then you throw in Jalen Johnson, and all three of them are gone. So it's up to the rookies. It's up to the rookies. And speaking of first impressions with rookies, I mean, I, I Kindle Vildor, um, I would say he's had a much different camp than like Duke Shelley had last year. Is that fair? Like Duke Shelley was kind of an afterthought. We were all really like surprised when he was active in week two as a special teamer over Sherrick McManus because we we're like, well, we haven't really seen this at all. Yeah. Yeah. Duke Shelley, though, was in the practice squad, though, last year for not majority of the season, but for a significant portion, right? No, no. He was on the active roster. The entire year? Yeah. I'm I'm talking I'm talking more so just like how involved. Like I don't remember Duke Shelley being praised like Kindleville Door has been. Do you? No, no. I don't recall seeing Duke Shelley on the field with the starters in the capacity that Kindleville Door was. Like when you see that during an open training camp practice, that's that's an immediate note. Like, oh, this guy is impressing. Not only on the field, like the coaches don't only like what they're seeing on the field. It's what he's doing off the field too. Like they always talk about like, you know, football smarts or football intelligence. Like that's them that's the way that's how they're saying like he's winning us over. Like he knows where he's supposed to be in the field. He's paying attention to meetings. I feel like Kendall Vildor did that immediately from day one. So maybe Duke Shelley, maybe it was numbers last year, maybe it was Prince Mukamara being here last year, spending money in Buster Screen, but did not get the same amount as at least in terms of first team reps that Kendall Vildor got this year. Yeah. Uh, any other final thoughts before we get out of here? I, I don't know about you guys. I know you're probably going to touch on this Thursday. It's, it's going to be very weird on Sunday watching this game from on TV. Yes. However, it'll be easier to do this podcast post game. <laughs> <laughs> the logistics make more sense. It, 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 they do. They do. Um, but yeah, I... Watching the game on a lot of things can be different. Post game interviews on Zoom afterward, not having uh, access to the whole locker room, um, watching on TV. It'll be fine though. We'll get through it. Everything's different in 2020, and uh, it's still going to be a Bears football game, which is a good thing that it's happening. Hey, Thursday on the uh, we're going to jump right in with our normal preview episode. Um, we're going to have a guest on 
to talk about the Lions. Uh, we're going to, I think, have a special secret guest come on. And um, most importantly, we're not going to make Adam Johns pick the Oklahoma-Missouri State game. Oh, thank Lord. I did watch some college football, though, this weekend. You did? You probably watched more than I did then. Yeah. I miss football. I'm like one of those guys who go to Friday night football games, high school football. We'll watch the morning game. I'm coaching flag football very intensely. I script my flag football practices for six-year-olds, then later for eight-year-olds. That's how intense I am. I stick to that schedule, too. No wonder you don't have time to cover uh, breaking news. Scripting You're scripting practices. flag football practices. I, I have plays. I'll show them to you over Zoom. Want to see them? I do. Our listeners can't this see them. This one's called Mitch. You roll out to the right and throw the ball? <laughs> That's what it looked like to me. Yeah. This, this one's called Gronk. <laughs> hey, the kids like the names. Do you have a Gronk on your team? We do. Big kid. Yeah. Big kid. So that just basically just clears it out, see if we get one-on-one coverage at the other side. He's just the kid who's just bigger than everybody for his age. Pretty good athlete. Throw the ball up. See what happens. Pretty like simple. An- like Andy Reid? Yeah. <laughs> Minus 100 pounds. Yeah. I can't wait to bring you my flag football insight throughout this season. That's going to be a new addition to this podcast. What, when's, the, when's the first game? Um, it is tomorrow for one of my sons. It's very controlled scrimmages because of the pandemic regulations. So it's basically like a set amount of plays organized by the coaches, but I'm looking forward to it. Going to treat it like a real game. You know how you treat, like, you know, you treat practice like you're preparing to be the starter. Going to treat practice like we're preparing for games. Wait, 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 wait. You just did a whole podcast, though. Bashing Matt Nagy for scripting out a scrimmage. And now here you are just admitting right here that you're scripting out your son's scrimmages. Man, these football. kids know two plays. <laughs> How are they supposed to get in a rhythm offensively? I know. You know, when you're rotating eight different kids in a quarterback, you know. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, we will be back Thursday. We'll have a full preview on the Lions. Bears will make the picks. We'll uh, we'll get into it. I'm excited about it and um, get you some more details on some of our other features uh, that we normally have for you that hopefully we'll still be able to bring to you here in this COVID-dominated 2020. In the meantime, follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S, at K Fishbane. That's where you get Kevin Fishbane. You can read Johns and Fishbane at theathletictheathletic.com. Slash Hogan Johns is where you go. You can get 40% off. You should have that right now. If you don't, now's the time. Season started. Let's do this thing. And uh, you can read me. My 10 Bears things are up at NBCSportsChicago.com. Check out the new website there. We appreciate you guys following, telling your friends about the podcast. Please rate and review the pod. We appreciate you doing that. We will talk to you on Thursday. See ya. Everyone doing this is Nick Foles. Just entered the meeting.